Hey, hey, Soul Sisters. Hey, it's good to be back with you. Man, I first want to just thank you for your patience with me. I feel like I should be putting out way more content than I'm putting out right now, and I'm not because I'm going through this this shift. And, uh, you know, if you've been following me along, you, you kind of know that this has been an ongoing process for me since I pretty much started this thing because I'm it's kind of like a ball of clay, you know, this little show that we've got going on here. I wasn't quite sure where it was all going, and I just bust out with whatever comes up and, and offer it to you and hope that it lands and hope that you get something out of it. And, uh, yeah, and I enjoy that. It's just been a lot of fun. And uh, working with my coaches and uh, the things that I've been going through and the clarity I've been getting is just really pointing me in a somewhat of a new direction. It's not really a new direction. It's a refined direction. And, and I'm really excited to get this clarity and to be refining in this way. But in that process, I've been having to step back and give myself space and like just be still so that I can allow this shift to happen and, and to know what direction I'm supposed to be going in. And I tell you what, it's not an easy thing, right? For a doer, especially (laughs) if I have any doers out there, I know I do. Um, But as doers, we like to be doing (laughs) and we like to be producing and we like to be creating and we like to be able to like just put things out there, right? And what I know and what I'm finding every single day, especially over these last several weeks, is that the more that we be still, the more that we just quiet ourselves down and give up the, oh, I've got to do it this way or I've got to do it that way business and just be like, you know, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm just going to let it not be. I'm going to be and I'm not going to do. And then just be that way for a little while and see what happens because um, I am finding that uh, all these downloads are coming in and all this restructuring is coming in of my psyche of my energetics of of where I I, how I show up in the world and and on an energetic plane I can just see all this reconfiguration happening that's uh, really exciting really exciting and so oh not happy with my my ego is not happy with it right because my ego is like oh you should be doing all these things and I'm like yep and we're not doing that that way anymore. So yeah, so things are in transition, things are shifting, and things are really getting um, more focused within more intention. And then I'm very excited about that. So I don't know if you've noticed, but we've changed the name of the show. It was Turn Your Soul on Radio, and it's changed to Turn Your Soul on the Ultimate Biohack for Women. So I'm really uh, excited to um, get clarity around that name and to know where we'll be focusing our attention. And um, I'm just sitting back and working on the next episodes and what's will, what will be coming up and stepping more fully into biohacking for women. So this is a new concept, really. Biohacking is not even really a term that's well known by many women at all. I ask almost every single woman I see, and I'm like, do you know what that term means? And most of them say no. Very few say yes. And that's what makes it so great because it's a male-dominated industry and we're about to take it by storm ladies so get ready because biohacking is is becoming good for us too and um, it's not going to be good for us to do it the way that the men do so and I've been studying this stuff for some time and I've got some ideas that are going to help you excel in your life so I'm really excited get ready for the new 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 found turn your soul on 
And um, for today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share, uh, I'm going to introduce you to a wonderful woman named Jessie Bauer. She is, um, she's a nutrition specialist and a self-proclaimed disruptor. And I think it's, that's just such a fun, fun title to hold for yourself. And I think you're going to really enjoy the show. Uh, she, she's going to talk a little bit about how our health is a reflection of the planet's health and how when we're healthy, our planet is healthy. And when we make good choices, our planet has has a healthier existence, which means that we have a healthier existence. So um, it's a fun, fun little exploration of... Um, of Jessie's story and how she got to where she is. And, uh, yeah, I love her dearly. She, uh, interned with me and it's been a, a wonderful experience watching her evolution and her growth and stepping into her new own, her own new business. And now I send my patients to her. So, um, I totally love you, Jessie. And I'm so excited to share this with uh, our, our listeners now and, um, on with the show. You are listening to Turn Your Soul On Radio. I am your host and visionary doctor, Dr. Brandy Victory, and my mission is to assist high-achieving women in closing the gap between feeling unfulfilled to living a life on fire. It is time, ladies, to champion our own lives and turn ourselves on. This is Living Victoriously, ladies. This is how you turn your soul on. Hello, soul sisters. I am so thrilled. I get to bring you another uh, Ambition and Grace session with Jessie Bauer. She's a really special person to me. I've actually had the opportunity to work with her intimately. um, She's a board-certified nutrition specialist and the founder of Good Pharma LLC. And she's a sustainability advocate, nature enthusiast, and self-proclaimed disruptor. I can't wait to hear more about that. In her private practice, she provides nutrition counseling to adults, children, and communities in sustainable wellness, disease prevention, weight management, and general health concerns. I, I love the work that you're doing, Jesse, and uh, I'm just really happy that I can actually send my patients to you. And she, Aww, you. Yeah, it's just great to be able to work with you in this way. Um, Jessie focuses on real food and common sense practices, and her main objective is to educate people about how we can dictate our own health as well as the planet's health and by what we choose to purchase and what we put in the end of our fork every time we eat and how it all makes a difference in, in our lives and in the health of health of our our, our communities and our, and our planet. So we're going to go more into that in a few minutes. And but Jesse, would you like to introduce yourself and uh, let us know how, how'd you get into this and what's your story, mm-hmm. girl? All right. Well, thank you. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. I am a little nervous because I've never done a podcast before, um, <laughs> but great. I'm ready. Um, so yeah, I'm a board certified nutrition specialist, which in a way is sort of like a registered dietitian. It's just a different route of study, slightly different focus, a little bit more holistic, a little bit more on whole food. Um, yeah, so I mentored under Dr. Brandy and her guidance, <laughs> and she's really pushed me forward to just go for it and start out. So yeah, that's where Good Pharma came from. Um, and I just opened my practice in Louisville, Colorado. And um, I'm really excited to just start disrupting, I guess. Um, <laughs> that term, self-disruptor, um, I've always been a little bit of a rebel, I think, in my approach to almost everything. Um, although I've been really shy growing up, most people wouldn't know it, but I am very opinionated. And especially when it comes to nutrition and more 
so in our current food system, I think that's where my pa passion comes from and where that disruptor sort of title comes from. And somebody else actually gave me that title a few weeks ago. I was at a networking event and I was just sort of sharing a bit about my story and my plans and my philosophy. And they're like, ooh, you're, you're kind of a disruptor and we like it. And I was like, ooh, yeah, nice. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see if I live up to that title or not. But I do have some big plans and things I want to sort of dismantle when it comes to our diet culture and our food systems currently. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. And I, I love disrupt. I, like, that's a very empowering term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very empowering. <laughs> and, and I think it keeps me, my ambitions high every day when I think about. Yeah, that's really cool. That. I love it. I think that's important. Like, you just, you're just like stimulating my mind. Right? I'm like, oh, you know, we can all take some sort of empowerment term to like signify mm -hmm. what we're doing in the world mm -hmm. to give us an, a passion more to enhance our passion and to give us more drive in the world. I love that. Thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to think about that for myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then, um, like what made you get into nutrition in the first place? Like what's your driving force? Um, I think it's been building for a good 15 or so years. Um, I come from, come from Wisconsin. I come from humble backgrounds, um, working class family, kind of grew up in times at the beginning of my childhood where my parents were working two to three jobs each, struggling, you know, to sort of keep food on the table. And what we had was just to get by, you know, ramen packs for mm. 10 cents. Mm -hmm. um, I remember our stove breaking and I think it was the oven, maybe not just the stove, but I just remember living out of the microwave for a few months, like whatever we could cook. So basically canned soups and uh, flour tortillas with cheese, shredded cheese on top and to make a pizza and whatever my mom could creatively make. But we also kind of lived, um, I lived in the rural setting about 20 minutes from any town. And the town that we were in had one grocery store. And so we were kind of reliant on whatever that store brought in. So you could kind of say it was a food desert. We're surrounded by corn and dairy farms, not any mm. other sort of farming. And I think growing up, I started just realizing the food I was eating. I wasn't feeling good. And I noticed it more in high school when I was trying to do sports. And I just didn't have enough energy. Um, I couldn't focus. I was always hungry. But then it also, I, like most girls, I think had sort of a borderline eating disorder. Middle school moving into my early high school years um, where I was cutting down calories. And I don't even really know where it came from just started thinking that I weighed too much. And luckily my mother caught it fast. It was like, oh, I'm wow. not tolerating this. Wow. This is not good. Um, and she took me to the local registered dietitian, the only nutrition specialist around at our little hospital in town. Um, and I remember her talking to me and telling me what to eat. And it was all about measuring things, counting things. And it was she was telling me that like, 100 calories of Ritz crackers was better than, you know, 200 calories of, you know, like an avocado or something like that. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, that's a plant food. I don't understand. But she's like, it's less calories. But she's like, you can count it and just make sure you hit these targets. And like, why are you telling someone with an eating disorder to like be so rigid, oh. you know, counting things and measuring? And she's like, measure a half a cup of cottage cheese and then put two grams of this on it. And... Now, you were thinking that when you were in high school? I was... At were you the conscious of that at the time? To me, it was more just not eating. So, like, I was... 
I was home all summer babysitting my sisters. We were just stuck out at the house where my parents worked, um, and which was fine. We did a lot of creative things, but I just was sitting there home obsessing over, I don't know, my body and my weight. Um, I did have a friend at the time who was thinner than me, and she would say things to me, and I think it's probably where it started to stem. And I was never overweight. I was never, I was actually very thin and lanky, um, ate a lot of food, um, but, and I don't, I don't know, I was never really weighing anything. It was just more I was cutting back. I remember I would skip breakfast and then lunch would be like four, what are those, saltine crackers with a little bit of tuna on it. And like no more, mm. only four. Mm. Um, and then at night it would be like I would try to get by with only <coughs> like eating a little bit of soup. Like whatever my mom made, I didn't want to eat it. I just wanted a little bit of soup. And she's, you know, she was getting upset with me. Right. <laughs> right. Seeing my weight go down. So it wasn't that I was, I ever had the notion of like knowing what it was to count calories or anything like read boxes. Like my mom never talked to us about that. Mm. We never read labels on the box and mm. understood that. And, you know, we had one general nutrition class in like the seventh grade, but it, that all turned into more sex education than actually focusing on nutrition. So, oh, okay. I mean, you know, I've always heard like a, eat 2000 calories a day, fat is bad, all that stuff. Sure. But yeah. When I was a kid, I was going to eat what I wanted. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what was your friend saying to you that? Uh, calling me fat. Oh, she was telling you. Yeah. You she fat. was just this naturally really small girl, but she was also just kind of mean to everybody. But I mean, I mean, our friendship didn't last very long past that. <laughs> <laughs> well, good um, for you. And I, don't, and I don't know. And I mean, I grew up being a dancer, but it was never like anything was ever said about my weight. And I was, you know, not like a ballerina. It was more, I, I really just don't know. I think it just became where you start comparing yourself to other yeah, girls. How old were you when that girl was in your life? Seventh, eighth grade. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's so when it matters and yeah. starts to matter, right? Yeah, and luckily my mom caught it because she's like, this is going to affect your development here on out. Even though like what I was eating probably still wasn't the best, but it was better than no calories at all. Sure. Um, but I remember with meeting the dietitian, just being like, this doesn't seem right either. And, but I mean, like I immediately snapped out of it. I was, went to high school my freshman year. I was still underweight, but I was eating more, but I wanted to do sports and I was just so weak that I couldn't, mm. but it was really important to me. I was a runner and I wanted to run. Mm. Um, so I just eventually just got kicked out of it. But then I was getting into what is... You Wait, you know, got kicked out of sports? No, I got kicked out of like the like eating disorder, Oh, I guess. Like oh. I like just stopped those habits. Like I still kind of thought <clears throat> where I would be comparing myself a little bit. And you could see other girls, you know, restricting their calories in high school. And I'm like, I know what they're doing. And, yeah. You know? Yeah, um, you're really lucky you had a mom that could see that. Yeah. She was just like, I can't. Like really? I can't have you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> And they approached it, I think, in a very sort of subtle way, like didn't push me too far, um, where they were like controlling with it. But I remember they had me watch, you know, some videos on like primetime things on anorexia and stuff, and that oh, scared wow. me. Um, uh-huh. But she's just like, you want to do these things, you're not going to be able to do those things. And If you don't eat. Yeah, if you don't eat. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's really lucky. I mean, a lot of, like, you know, a lot of women have eating disorders mm-hmm. and Either we hide it very well and no one knows, or it's encouraged yeah. by, you know, parents who don't realize what they're doing, yeah. right? I mean, that was my experience. Oh, yeah. My mom did not 
want me to eat certain foods. And mm-hmm. when I did, I felt guilt. And so mm-hmm. I would binge and purge and all these things, right? <clears throat> and then I would want to be like her. And she was essentially an anorexic mm-hmm. and just eat like one lemon drop at night and drink coffee in the morning. That's what, that's what she did. Oh, wow. And I, mm-hmm. so I felt like, well, if I can't, if I can't be that, something must be wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to have, to have a parent be able to guide you, even though they didn't really know about nutrition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She, at least, you at least had that someone there, like helping you not go down that path. So you're, it's a real big blessing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, my mom was never one to be like cutting calories or worried about anything. And my dad's family is a very they're farmers, they're healthy, mm. you know, eaters, probably too much so, you sure. know. Um, <laughs> so, and I think what really got me was when I saw my dad get upset. I remember him approaching, like, having, my dad is a quiet person, but when he talks to you, it it's, means it's serious and something, mm. you know, and the tears rolling up in his eyes. Like, I don't want to see you like that girl. And wow. I think that was what I was like, okay. And my mom... At this time, they were doing better off financially, and we were having better meals, like meat, potato, and veggie. Granted, it wasn't high quality, and we were putting ranch on everything, but we had a <laughs> bit more balanced meals at this time in my life, because we were doing a little, we were a little bit better off. Um, and I think after that, my mom even tried even more to balance our meals, and, and she's just like, you have two sisters that are watching you, uh-huh. and that also worried me. Um, because I'm like their second mother. They're my everything. So sure. I didn't want them following in my footsteps. But, and I think then after meeting with a dietitian and being at school, first of all, what was available at school to eat, there wasn't a whole lot of option, you know, healthy options. And we were more of a packet from home to get to school always because it was more financially stable for my parents to do that. Um, but I remember just reading the magazines. This is when you start getting the teen magazines. And I think that's also where I was getting the images of girls in swimsuits and things like that. Yeah. Um, but they're like, you know, here's these vitamins or, you know, eat your Nutri-Grain bar and drink your orange juice. And I was eating those things like, oh, I'm eating granola bar, so that's hung- that's healthy. I'm drinking my orange juice, that's fruit juice. But, like, technically I was just eating pure sugar each morning. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then also my mom was buying me those, I think they're called carnation breakfast mm-hmm. drinks. Mm-hmm. And I would just chug one in the morning because I would be up, I was so involved in school with, music, art, I was student council, um, honors, all these things. And sometimes I'd have to be at school around 7 a.m. And I lived 30 minutes outside of town. So I was getting up at 5.36 in the morning um, and going all night with sports. I don't know how I did it when I think about it <laughs> and still got my homework done. But so I wouldn't want to eat that early in the morning. It would upset my stomach. So I would just drink these carnation breakfasts. But then like later read the side of the panel and saw how much sugar and artificial flavors and, you know, just not real food is in it. And how uh, old are you when that happened? High school. <clears throat> um, but so you're pretty aware, like at a younger age, really. Sort of, but still, like what I thought was he- healthy isn't healthy. You know, it was being advertised as healthy, you know, and that still goes on today. Sure. And that's one of those things I want to disrupt, but um, I don't think... I really got into health until college. So I went to school in Madison, um, which is pretty progressive, sort of forward-thinking town. It's a college town. Um, it was the first time I saw a farmer's market. Never knew what that was. <laughs> first time I heard of organic produce. Saw it. Got to buy it. Like, actually have, like, fresh fresh produce that wasn't shipped in from everywhere, and that was local. 
which I really enjoyed that. And then I found... I was Where were you living? I'm sorry. Madison. Mm, okay, okay. Um, which is about an hour and a half or so from where I grew up. Ah. So it wasn't far. Um, but it's like the closest big, big metropolitan. <laughs> you know, it's like Boulder, you know. It's like maybe slightly bigger. Okay. Um, and, yeah, and then I found... That was the first time I saw Whole Foods. Mm. Um, and then a co-op we had... We, which was called the Willie Street Co-op, which a friend introduced me to, and it became like my safe haven. It's kind of like a natural grocer's to a smaller scale. Um, they do nutritional free classes of all sorts. It's all local, organic, just clean food. And I'm like, okay, this is twice as much as what I'm paying here, but I like my options. I'm like, I'm w- willing to spend the money on it. Like I never ate out in college. I only ever made my own food. And I think that's just where I just started. Like I just taught myself how to cook and and then I went abroad after school after college and I was in South Korea teaching English for a couple years and I actually had some struggles with my health like I started having digestive issues um I gained a lot of weight I wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle I mean it's a drinking culture it was out on my own I think I was drinking too much and the food was really spicy and it probably just too much rice and I was eating more meat than I normally ate and um yeah and then I just started researching more and teaching myself and I also had a friend one of my best friends there she was really into health and was actually studying to sort of be like a nutritional coach slash life coach and she actually taught me how to cook with more real food like even more than I taught myself like I learned how to make my first like real salad dressing from her oh nice um and I think yeah I just it just slowly just slowly progressed over those years both through my own health struggles and also with my family and it was at this time where like my grandfather was diagnosed with Parkinson's his brother with ALS uh there's diabetes on my dad's side as well um and I was just like, okay, I, this isn't, what we're doing isn't healthy. And then I'm like looking back at what I had access to and what they're eating. And I'm like, well, yeah, grandpa ate ice cream every day and drank a couple Pepsis every day. And, and now he's yeah, got, and yeah. And now, and mm. you know, um, and now he's just deteriorating. So so you already had already put those kind of pieces together, like the food you're eating makes a difference. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I just could feel it and I could see it in my skin um, you know, like with PMS and things like that, I noticed, like when I started cleaning stuff up, how that stuff got better. Um, oh, sorry. and so then I started doing, um, an online course for a holistic health coach. Um, and sadly that school was shut down halfway through my program. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's all right. I didn't do enough research, but it was in that, that I was, I moved back to the U.S. and I was living in San Francisco and I knew I always wanted to get a master's degree and I knew I kind of always wanted to be sort of in the teaching or education realm as well as helping people and then I discovered a naturopathic medical school which was focusing more on food, you know, holistic health, nature, which I was really getting into natural health herbs and Chinese medicine, um, just really exploring and so I applied and got in and I did a year of that and after that year, after working in the clinic a bit and doing the studies, I just realized there still wasn't enough focus put on food. Like naturopathic doctors are wonderful, but and they spend you know a good two hours with each patient. But after you get through exams, tests, labs, 
all this stuff, it's like we have five minutes left and well, I need you to go eat kale. And they're like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where to get that or I can't afford it. I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's the part I want to focus on. It's, it's the basic stuff that people need to do every day that they just seem to be lost with and don't know where to turn or just confused with or don't realize they have the capability of doing it mm. or the access to it. Um, and yeah, and I just transitioned into the master's program and then here I am. Here you are. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm curious. So when you were in Korea and, um, were gaining weight, was that, was that a mental struggle for you as well? Nah. Not really? <laughs> I didn't really even notice it too much until I saw some photos I'm like, woo, I'm looking voluptuous. And my friend's like, I like you like this. Like, I think you look great. And I was like, all right. <laughs> awesome. You no, know, and I, it wasn't that I didn't like the way I looked. I was fine. You know, I still looked healthy. I just, I didn't feel healthy because of just what I was eating and yeah. the lifestyle I was living. I wasn't sleeping enough, getting mm. enough water, stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. 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 It's not like, I, for me, like if I gain weight, I feel it's a mental, mm. it's a mental challenge for me. And I think it's like that for a lot of women, yeah. but you know, listening to your story and hearing that you had a, had a mom who didn't focus on any of that mm. stuff and really helped teach you from a young age, you know, really, she, I mean, she gave you the foundation of, of health really, yeah. you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. When I, what we ate and still what they eat now, I'm like, mom, dad, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I mean, they still, I mean, they eat, and we grew up outside. I think that's a huge part of my health, too. Animals, and just constantly in the dirt. For and sure. And, like, no TV. Yeah. And just being a wild child, I guess, in nature. Yeah, and, you know, we come in, and our parents teach us what they can, and mm-hmm. then we typically surpass them in mm-hmm. some po- point of mm-hmm. our knowledge as we grow into the human beings and adults that we grow into, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and sometimes our parents are watching us and then they can learn from us mm-hmm. and follow that. And then a lot of times, and it seems like most of the time, that's not their path, mm-hmm. you know. And for me, I don't know how it has been, but for me, that's been a huge struggle because I've like, oh, I've found this way out. Mm-hmm. I've, I've learned how to be healthy. I've, I've, you know, resolved all these problems in my body and um, no longer on medication mm-hmm. and, and mom, I can show you how to do this too. Cause I want her to be as healthy as ever. Right. Right. right? We all want our parents to be healthy and then they, they don't follow. And then it's like, Oh man, yeah. how do I deal with that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's a challenge yeah. when, when you come into that understanding and you see that your family could be doing better. Yeah. They, they've been open somewhat. My dad's had a few health scares and you know, they, they make juices here and they they go in bits where they're doing it a lot and then when they're not, uh, I think they're in a little bit of the off right now, but they, you know, they're again working a lot and that's also, you know, part of the struggle or excuse to is time. And they still kind of live in an area that it's semi food desert. I mean, they've, they do have a farmer's market, but there's like four stalls. I've been to it, but they're trying. Yeah. Um, there's still, you know, just the local grocery store where, you know, organic still isn't a thing. And not that that's, always the primary focus um and it's mostly fast food and it's wisconsin we eat brats cheese beer and fish fries like everything is fried right like when i go home now i don't eat i i bring my own food yeah i just if i just even try to be polite and eat it i just feel awful so i yeah i just can't 
Um, and yeah, I think and they see that a little bit. Oh, I, I'm sure. Of course they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously your mom has been watching your food intake since you were a child, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, is, was that a challenge for you? Like making that transition of going and not eating the food there while everybody else is eating it? And you're just over here eating your bananas or whatever? <sighs> a couple, a little bit. Or like, you know, I just take the potatoes and a piece of ham at Christmas, you know, my favorite thing my grandma used to make was cheesy potatoes. Oh. And it's potatoes with like Velveeta. And, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, my God. So I was like, Grandma, we can make cheesy potatoes, but we can make it in a different way. But, you know, she's been doing it this way her whole life. It's her recipe. It's her thing. And yeah. everybody wants grandma's cheesy potatoes. For sure. And even Ryan, my partner, you know, he too is just like, I can't eat this stuff. He's from Minnesota. His family eats very similarly. Um and at first I was like, oh, are we going to come off pretentious or that, you know, we think we're better um, and we don't want to and we don't want to be rude. It's just, and my parents now, they'll ask like, what do you guys want to eat? Or she'll make sure she has like sweet potatoes and this or, awesome. or we'll be like, we'll cook dinner. Let us cook you dinner. Mm. And they'll eat whatever we make and they usually enjoy it. Um, they try or they'll be like, we're ordering pizza tonight. I'm like, that's okay. You guys can have pizza. I'll, I'll just make myself this and they're fine with it. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's really, uh, that's really lucky. (laughs) I mean, at least that's what they say in my face. Yeah. No, no. And they seem all right. And then they, they learn too. They ask questions. Yeah. And then I've also heard you talk about like, uh, you know, that your nephews and nieces that are coming Mm -hmm. up and they're coming up in that world and Mm -hmm. how that kind of challenges you as well. It is. It does. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not their parents, and I'm not going to push. I don't want to ever make my sister feel guilty about any of the choices she makes. Um, And they do do pretty good. Um, The last time I was there, you know, my niece was just eating. She was obsessed with avocados. It was just like a thing of avocados. She's just throwing avocado in her mouth and eggs. And I'm like, okay, I couldn't be happier. How old is she? She's like over one now. Oh, wow. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, and Finn, and I made Finn a smoothie. And he was obsessed with it. He just kept drinking and he kept coming over to my glass and wanting more. And, awesome. And I bought, you know, they have bought them an Instapot, uh, which I think is the greatest invention ever for Christmas. And yeah. And my sister she's been using it. Oh, that's wonderful. See, it is rubbing off. Yeah, it is. But they also live, where they live too, you know, the closest grocery store is 30, I think it was like 30 minutes away. Yeah, I know. I don't, I, do, I know I hear you. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And it's not an okay excuse. Yeah. It's really not an okay excuse. Time and, and accessibility is not an okay excuse. For me personally, I wouldn't live somewhere where I don't have right. access to healthy food. I, I just wouldn't. And um, that's why I live here. That's why I lived in California. That's why I love Texas. Mm. Um, one reason, not the yeah. other reason by any means. <laughs> um, but beyond that, even, I mean, there's Thrive Market. There's, mm. all, there's all different kinds of ways to access food now, you know, that are in CSAs. And right. yeah, I just there, think it's a horrible excuse. There is. And part of the struggle, I think, is that people don't know about all of them. Um, and... So food deserts and food insecurity is a big passion of mine. And then one thing, when it comes to my philosophy on nutrition, you know, I'm food first over anything else. We're going to talk food, what you can access, what you can budget, where to get it from, what it means. And making sure those choices that you're making when you purchase your food, you're thinking about everyone that's involved. That's the other big thing for me. That's the sustainability piece. Like, how are the farmers treated? How are the animals treated? How long was it in the car when it got here? How much gas did it take? I want people to think about all of those things. Mm. But then 
um, I have written a few papers and like my thesis was on food insecurity and how that affects people's health and the health of the nation. And it's just so involved and there's so many pieces and part of it's, t I like to put 50% of the blame on the person and the other 50% on, you know, policy. The policy, system. Yeah, the system. The food system, <clears throat> the farmers, big pharma, big egg, big business, big medical. Like, all of them play a huge part, and they're controlling a lot of what people have access to. And, you know, you have people that don't have a car, and they have to take a bus, you know, an hour and a half to get groceries, and then they have to go back with their groceries. So they're not going to want to carry all this stuff. And then, or they live in a place where the only place that has food is a convenience store or is fast food. And so sometimes I like to be like, okay, you are your choices. You are capable of doing things. But when you have a single mom working three jobs and kids at home saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Yeah. And she's got $4 to spend. She's going to buy white bread and eggs. Yeah. You know? Um, and so there's those, those are specific instances, but you know, those aren't the majority. And the majority of us can make better choices and have access to better choices and are capable of growing our own food even. Thank you. Yeah. So that's that's a huge thing I want to think about. It's like you can grow just in a small pot mm -hmm. a good amount of food that saves you money and is fresh and you know where it's coming from. And those are the things I focus on and those are, I think where the disruptor part of me comes in is like tackling the food system part of that. I want to empower people to take their health back, but also be responsible for their own choices. And no, and people are like, well, you're, you might be being too mean, you know, uh, if I'm calling someone out. I'm like, well, you didn't need to buy that, mm. you know, and you tell me you can't afford organic, but you can go to Starbucks every day and spend $4 on a latte. Thank you. And you can go to Trader Joe's and get a five pound bag of organic carrots for five, I think it's four ninety nine. And that whole bag of carrots, that's a big bag of carrots, yeah. five pounds. Mm -hmm. It's the same as a latte or your soda or when you go out and you need to have a, you know, a beer or something with a friend. Like you don't need to be doing those things. So I think it's showing people where their priorities need to be and making making health a priority, I think, is yeah, my that, ultimate goal. So, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, if you're going to be healthy, that's what you have to do. <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> always fun, but it becomes easier. And once you start to feel better, you don't want to feel anything else. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not always fun, especially when we've been indoctrinated to the fast food, fat, salt, sugar, mm -hmm. chemically laden, scientifically put together mm -hmm. to create addiction in your brain food or what we call food, quote unquote. Yeah. And, and then, you know, like there's one patient that I had sent you and, mm -hmm. and you just done a wonderful job with her, like helping her understand how to prepare foods before mm -hmm. she goes to work and mm -hmm. um, pack her lunch. And, you know, that it, and that it's not all has to all be healthy every single day that no, she can yeah. go out once a week and mm -hmm. have, have a drink with her friend or whatever, you know, I mean, she's, she's come so, so far. She's amazing. Yeah. And she's doing the 10 day transformation mm -hmm. program right now that, that I'm hosting. And, um, one of her goals is to enjoy food again. Mm. So what that tells me is that even with all of this stuff that she's learned and been mm -hmm. doing for herself, she's still in her mind, mm -hmm health food's not good yeah and health food's not yummy right so it's just it's just fascinating because the the programming is so deep mm -hmm. so deep and then until we can like get down to the to, to clearing that stuff out and like really being willing 
to see things from a new perspective, to be willing to say, oh, you know what? Healthy food can be good. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, sometimes it takes eating it for a little while for your body to start mm-hmm. craving it, right? right? Like, oh, yeah, some broccoli sounds good today. <laughs> yeah. I would have never said that when I was 19, right? right? right. <laughs> yeah, but I do now, and and that's that's the place we want to help get people to is that place. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and you're just doing a great job of that, so oh, thank you. I hope, and it's still the beginning, and I hope. But I've been out in the community a little bit now and talking to people about this, and they're like, wow, I really that sounds great. And I'm like, okay, come aboard. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, but they like, you know, at least they're like thinking about it and they like the idea and they really like the idea of like, oh, yeah, it's sustainable. We need to, we need to fix our choices because what we're doing now, you know, the, the earth is dying. And right. part of her death is the way we choose to consume and the yep. way we're growing our food. That's right. Um, and that's where my focus is. It's I want people to understand that their choices are they're creating the future with their choices. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're brave enough to bring children into this world, I think that should be a priority of yours. And when I see parents buying Fruit Loops, you know, I just... Granted, that's what they grew up on, but I'm like, there's so much information out there now. Granted, in the nutritional world, it's confusing. But there's a lot of common sense nutrition. I mean, <laughs> nutritional information out there or common sense that we should know from generations before us and from ancient diets and from the healthiest cultures out there. We just seem to ignore them, but we should know, you know, Fruit Loops isn't a good choice. So I do put that responsibility on that parent for yeah. making that choice for their child. Yeah. And when you, you know, use, and somebody's like, Ooh, this sounds really good. And you're like, come on board. And they're like, I'm not ready yet. You know, the real question is why not? Yeah. Like what, what is that? Mm-hmm. You're telling me this sounds good, but you're not willing to step into it. So is there, there, there must be a gap in your, your, what you desire and what your integrity is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's so, so vital for people to really like start to look at that because if there's a desire or something that you think is a good idea, but you're unwilling to uphold that, there's something within you that's causing you to be, um, out of integrity with yourself. Because when something feels really good and you're on fire for something and you're like, yes, this sounds really good because this is a higher vibrational place to be. This is a, this is a great thing to do to support nutrition so that our world becomes a healthier place. I mean, all the people and our communities and the planet itself, like mm-hmm. that's high vibrational work that you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And if somebody sees that, they know that, they can feel that. Like the question that I just invite everybody to ask is, why is it that I'm not stepping into that? What's holding me back? The pushback I'm getting right now, and I am, it, it's financial and it's time. So they think they don't have enough time. And I tell them, well, go back <laughs> and look at what you did today. Like, how many times did you pull out your phone and stare at it for 30 minutes? Mm. You know, or are you sitting on, you know, I know we all like to come home and relax, and Netflix is addicting. It is. And <laughs> I get that, and doing that once in a while is great. But, you know, if you can take an extra 30 minutes before you sit down and prep your lunch for tomorrow, there's time. There is time. Or just sit down and look up some recipes. I will give you a ton. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or they're everywhere. I mean, Pinterest is amazing. (laughs) It's addicting. Look for recipes. And then make your shopping list and go do it. And I think it's just teaching people, they just have to rearrange their priorities. And then when it comes to the finances... Yes, starting a new health journey is a financial commitment, um, especially if you're like revamping your pantry and you have to buy all these new things. Right. And if you're shopping for things you're not used to spending money on, 
but there there's always a little there's money somewhere you just right. have to sit down and again analyze where you're spending it and um i tell people look at your plans for the next three months i think are you do you have any necessary travel that you need to you know plan for things for your kids what's coming up what are the necessities and then what are you spending on that you maybe not need to are you going to a concert are you going out to eat you know are you going out with friends can you instead cook a dinner at home together like a healthy one but like where is that money where you can maybe take there's always going to be some money I guess and I want them to find it and invest it in their health instead I'm like is there some money where you can take to invest in yourself because you need it and it's and if we do our, if I do my job right, and you as well, this should only be a few months if I can set you up to properly be able to do this on your own, and you make it into a lifestyle. So like investing in me should only be a short term thing. Um, investing in yourself should be forever. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think that's where my pushback is, and it's like talking to people about money. It's never easy, but. Mm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I really do, and and that's an excuse too. It, it is, and. They, we live in a society where people have health insurance and they expect their health insurance to cover everything. And unfortunately for CNS, a certified nutrition specialist, we are not covered by insurance. It's just the way it is right now. We're a new term. Registered dietitians are, but they have a different philosophy usually on food. That's changing a little bit, but they don't necessarily address it the way I do. You know, they're, they're funded by Big Pharma, Big Egg, the dairy industry, Pepsi. Wow. So, like, those control... I didn't know that. Yeah, as is the food um, pyramid. So, and that's what they're taught to follow. Granted, there are some registered dietitians that I follow now that are getting more into the integrative and, like, casting away (laughs) those beliefs and going kind of out on their own, but they only go for the registered dietitian degree because it's the more well-known it's been around the longest it's covered by insurance you can legally practice in almost every state with that Mm. me i can only legally practice in certain places that accept me now in colorado there are some insurance or like financial savings accounts or health savings accounts hmos that will cover me um but technically the person has to come in prove that they completed the program and paid for my services. And then, you know, they'll be reimbursed by their insurance company. So there are some people that that will work for, but normally not. So I'm an out-of-pocket expense. Sure. And people aren't used to having to pay up front for that. You know, they're used to paying a copay, and that's it. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, you pay your insurance every month, and you don't always use your insurance every month. So that money that you're putting towards your insurance, it's almost like, you know, it's the same as the amount it's paying me. Um... Or I also told I had a consult the other week where they were on a bunch of prescription drugs. And I'm like, well, you pay for your prescription drugs every month. And those aren't cheap. And you're on four or five. But instead of paying for them, you could be paying for me. And you wouldn't, you know, my goal is to get you off those. But you're okay to spend money on that. But why aren't you okay to yeah. spend money on nutritional It's called priority. Yeah, right. <laughs> priority. I know, but they're, they're just not, we weren't taught to see it that way. We weren't taught to focus on nutrition. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's so. true. It's true. And we're just, that we have credit cards that we can spend money we don't have on and right. fulfill a first chakra <laughs> imbalanced need to have too much of things that don't matter mm-hmm. and not pay attention to our to our well-being yeah. and not make it a priority. I mean, if I want something, 
I freaking make it happen. You know, I, I I will make it happen. I, I wanted to coach. I found $3,000 to pay her for a four hour call. You know, (laughs) I'm like, I want this, I want this more than anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I made it happen. And it's the same with my health. Like I, I take supplements and I take green, uh, superfoods like Mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes think maybe I'll just cut back on these because, you know, then I could put this money towards my next vacation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't really ever do it because it's so important to me, you <laughs> yeah. know? I mean, then, you know, I got my micronutrient test back a, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, wow, my immune system's in the 90th percentile of my age range. Like I haven't seen anyone with that good of immune nice. system, you know? I was like, well, yeah. this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was fighting with autoimmunity and thyroid and fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and all the things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that didn't, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't do a micronutrient test mm-hmm. then, but, but I can see that the choices that I'm making towards my health are making a huge difference in probably my longevity as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you guys could see Dr. Brandy. You'd think she was 30 years younger than she is. (laughs) That's sweet. She's prioritized her health. I mean, you do everything too. You you exercise, you're mindful, you sauna, you do all this stuff. Um, yeah, every day. Yeah, I try. Yeah. <laughs> because and I, I want to feel good. Yeah. Right? That's my priority. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people, too, that I'm talking to, I'm like, my health journey isn't over. Like, I'm still learning, and I'm there's still things that I fall short on, and I don't exercise nearly enough besides, like, hauling wood and stuff around my yard, which is, you know, it's exercise, but... Like, I mean, it's always progressive, like, it's progressing, progressing, sorry, and it's never ending. And another thing I think I struggle with and people are asking me well what's the time commitment on this they want to know like how often they have to talk to me how often they have got to do this and I'm like well in the beginning it is going to be a time commitment like I want to see you every week like it can just be a phone call I don't care but we need to be talking every week because this is going to be harder than you think I mean I'm asking you to change a lot and change is hard and and I'm not just asking you to change your food I'm asking you to change how you think about food how you plan around your food you, you know, you probably got wives and kids, you know, family members that are also going to be on this journey with you. I don't want you cooking three different meals because people want different things. Right. Like everybody's got to be on board. Um, but we're also talking about your relationships, your environment, your community, your stress level. Like how are you handling all those things? You can change your food all you want, but if you hate getting up in the morning or you hate going to work or, you know, you and your partner aren't getting along, we're never going to get better. Um, I find that stress is the number one thing. Like, I mean, you could be, stress could cause you to hold on to weight. Sure. Dictating what foods you're gravitating towards. It is true. And so, and people are like, well, (laughs) I don't want to talk about my stress. Or that's, you know, it's too intimate. And that's where I'm like, well, go see Dr. Brandy because I'm not a therapist. (laughs) And, you know, it's out of my scope. And I know the work that you do, which is amazing. And, but I'm like, they need someone else. Like, it's got to be a team effort. And then, of course, like, well, it's another practitioner to pay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but we're a team and we're, you know, we're not here to take your money. We really want to see you get well. Yeah. And I see myself more as an educator and a facilitator of health. Like I don't want to be holding your hand through this. I'll give you the tools, but ultimately you're the one that has to take the step and do the work each day. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to fall back on when you need guidance. But other than that, like I want to be able to send you on your way. And for some people it could take a couple years. Yeah. Depends on what they're dealing with. Yeah. And I mean, like if you've been eating and living a certain way for the past 25 years, 
and built up this condition or disease for that long, it's not just going to be gone in three weeks. I know. And that's, I think, the struggle with people. I'm like, it's not a quick fix. And that's where I struggle with diet culture right now. Um, everybody jumping on the keto band. I know. Paleo, like, paleo is good because it cuts out all the crap. But the way <laughs> we do paleo or talk about paleo, it's not what actually paleo is in the sense of our ancestors. Um, and we're still kind of doing it wrong. And I just, people just, you know, they, whatever doctor, whoever goes on TV and says, I have the fix for you, they just jump at it because they're like, I want to lose my weight and I want to look like that. But they don't understand the work that really needs to go in for it to be sustainable. Right. <laughs> yes. And that's my word. Yay. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, that's yeah. a, that's awesome. I, I just I love this conversation, and um, you know my my hope is that it just inspires people to just take one tiny little step. Yeah. You know, I know one of the things that I hear struggle. I just wonder if you could speak to this is a little bit off topic, but yeah, um, like I, I like moms mm-hmm. are coming in. They're like, I want to get healthy, mm-hmm. and then they're coming in having their child holding a donut <laughs> or a, an icing topped muffin and of course when I see it I I mean I do my best to hold no judgment this isn't that's not my they're you know they're yeah. not right they're there but they feel weird about it anyway mm-hmm. and they're like coming in the door making excuses for their, their child having whatever it is mm-hmm. and I'm just like wow that's fascinating to watch mm-hmm. you know what you know how do you deal with that like how do you help am I am I are you getting my question <laughs> I I think so <laughs> um well, yeah, I mean, being a mom or a parent is just, I'm, I'm not one yet, but I've dealt with kids and I, you know, I helped raise my sisters and, um, and I watched, you know, my sister and Ryan's, you know, nieces and stuff and, and their mom's a doctor too. Oh, and wow. it's, but, you know, she's, she's working insane hours and she just comes home at the end of the day where she's just drained and. You know, sometimes it's just easier to throw oatmeal in mm. the microwave when you've got three kids crying and diapers to change and you're exhausted. And I'm like, I come home and I'm exhausted and I'm dealing with animals and Ryan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there are nights where Ryan and I come home like, let's just throw in a, you know, gluten-free pizza and call it a night. And then I feel horrible <laughs> after. <laughs> but I'm just like, I just can't. You know, yeah. some nights I just can't. And kids... And I, I mean, I'm not a mom, so I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing and not understand, but I, I can relate. I think, you know, a kid, kid, you know, to make a kid happy when you're trying to drive and navigate traffic and the phone's ringing or you're, you know, in a tiff with your husband and they're back there screaming because they're hungry, but you can't go home because you have to go get groceries yet. They want a donut. If you give them a donut and they're quiet for 30 minutes so you can get your stuff done. Oh, my God. I know. And it sounds horrible, but I can see why those choices are made. But the point, the thing is to ask. And then it comes down, too, to where they're going and what's being put in front of them. You know, sometimes the responsibility has to be on the shop owners and, like, the food system again, right? Like, those things... To me, a donut should be illegal. <laughs> like, a donut like that should be illegal. There's ways to do a healthy donut, but like, I think my ultimate... I could die happy if I made fast food illegal in the world. Like, that would be an ultimate <laughs> be goal. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll die tomorrow if McDonald's has no more. 
Right. Um, it's just really, it's, it's, it's funny because we, we took a trip up to Winter Park uh, a couple of months ago and I'd never been there. Mm. And, and so I'm just like looking at everything wide-eyed like a little kid, right? And then I saw McDonald's and I was like, oh, they've got McDonald's here? Like it was just the biggest surprise to me. And Roger was like, why wouldn't they have a McDonald's here? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. but... And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess people still eat like that. Like, I'm living this little tiny bubble over right. here, you know? So it's, it, it's, it gets sometimes reality is very far away for me that, that most people are living in. And he's like, yeah, I mean, there's tourists. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. Okay, I guess people are still doing this, right? But, you know, for me, I mean, my perspective, and, you know, I don't have kids. That's why I try to ask people that, that are in the industry or moms or how a better way to do it because I, I can't speak from being a mom, you know? And my kids wouldn't be eating donuts. That's just the way that would be. I don't care. I don't care if you're going to cry, cry, (laughs) fucking cry. Right. Here's a mama chia. Yeah. Uh. You're going to have a mama chia (laughs) or you're not going to, or you're going to have this banana and you're going to be fine. For a minute when he said Mama Chia, I was thinking Chia Pet, and I was like, "What Mama Chia?" And then I remember, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Mama Chia. Yeah, I know Mama Chia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I. And I know, and I try to tread lightly when you know, be empathetic and understanding when I approach I haven't had a mom in my office yet but I've had a grandma who was talking about her daughter and grandson that she wanted to come in and talking about how picky the kid was eating and wouldn't eat anything and they think it's just um and he's like two and I'm like well that's what two years do yeah. They're picky. They don't yeah. want to eat. And yeah. I'm like, I can come up with strategies for you. You know, like, just put a plate of veggies and hummus out on his PlayStation, and eventually he'll probably be curious, and we'll go over and get it. But they're like, no, there's no way if I put veggies. I'm like, well, have you tried? Yeah. Like, have you, you know, like, with my nephew, like, never, you know, a smoothie. Like, it was something I don't think my sister made him before. But he loved it. It was just fruit and, like... <laughs> almond milk there was nothing to it I think even protein powder in there (laughs) yeah and I mean it's more responsibly on the parents but I mean if you're gonna have kids you've gotta you've gotta make the right choices and right now where our planet stands it's you know her future just depends on us they're saying what they say we have 12 years to reverse climate change like after Mm. 12 years like there's no turning back Sure. Um, and I, to be honest, I don't even think we could do it in 12 years. I don't think we can we either. Tried. No. But I mean, trying at least is one thing. And um, I don't know. And then they're saying like by 2050, the population can be 10 billion. And scientists <laughs> predict that the earth will collapse after that. Like that there's no way that the earth can sustain more than 10 billion people. And I mean, there's conversations of reproduction <laughs> and like that's a whole nother thing. But I mean, if we want to, you know sustain the earth and that amount of people we have to be making better choices every day every day every day and like and that comes you know we vote with our dollar and that's what I want to teach people like every choice you make every dollar you spend you're choosing which store to support which farmer to support and every moral ethical thing that they stand for Mm -hmm. so your choices reflect on you Mm -hmm. you know there was just um a thing that came out last week on farm and Coca-Cola, like this big dairy farm. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest ones, I forget the name of the farm, and I posted about it on Facebook. And of course, I, not that I have a ton of followers or anything like that, and I'm still understanding how <laughs> Facebook and Instagram work. And, um, you know, only a couple people engaged with it. 
Oh, wow. Everyone else, like, I can see how many people saw it uh-huh. and, like, scrolled through it. Like, it tells me those numbers. Like, almost everyone of 200 people saw it, but only two people actually took the time to look at it. Hmm. And, um, and it's because they know that they're making that choice and supporting that, and they don't want to come to terms with it. And it was about one of the biggest dairy farms in the country that's now owned by Coca-Cola, which wow. to me makes no sense that Coca-Cola <gasps> is owning a dairy farm. Oh, scary. And I'm like, I'm from Wisconsin, and like dairy is a whole other conversation um, that I have opinions on, but fine, like if you're into dairy, whatever, but... <laughs> This wasn't okay. It was showing the abuse of the animals. Oh. And this farm actually has a theme park where you go and you, like, look at baby cows on a conveyor belt. And, like, you can pet the cows and they make it look all nice. But in the background where the people can't go, the farmers are kicking them in the head. They're actually killing them by kicking them because they're mad mm. at the baby calves for not eating. It was mm. just, it's really horrific. And they're not the only farm that does this. Oh, wow. And so it was this big undercover project by Animal Rescue um arm um yeah they're like this big undercover they're always blowing up animal abuse and you know it was blowing up on facebook but the fact that my followers who are all mostly from wisconsin area right now and some are dairy farmers but they're Mm. small-time dairy farmers um just ignored it because i think they know that when they go buy that non-organic gmo filled you know, cheapest milk they can buy to put in their fruit loops. Right. That they're supporting that. And right. I just got really upset. I was just like, yeah. I know this existed and but the fact that people still just to them it's out of sight, out of mind. And it should right. never be that. Right. And I they just ignore it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And I don't think people understand the power that they have. Like, yes, it's gonna be a little work on your end to spend a little bit more money on organic or travel a little bit further to go to a farmer's market to support that local farmer or to just go to that farm, take a tour, meet the farmer, look at how the animals are treated, what they're doing when it comes to fertilizing and taking care of the soil. Um, but in the end, if we all did that, if we all demand better, we will get better. That's right. So That's right. That's why Costco yeah. is like the leader in organics now. And yeah. just a few years ago, they did not have organics no. there. And now they're the leader because our dollars are asking for it. That's what Mm -hmm. we're buying. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, going to a farm and taking your kids to a farm is fun. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't cost anything but gas to get there. Mm -hmm. And you can go and you can explore the farm. I mean, I, I do do raw dairy. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I do it, I have two farms that I go to one mm-hmm. down in Boulder and it's a biodynamic farm. And I went and I toured the farm and they showed me how, how they're processing everything. And it's just so, it's like a spiritual practice for them. Yeah. And I want to consume things from that, that yeah. kind of person and farmer. Yeah. Right. Plus I want to support what they're doing in the world because the more that they can give their spirit filled food to people mm-hmm. then that and, and fills people up with spirit. Right. And mm-hmm. I think we're just all here as vessels of light for God consciousness to come through. And when we're putting toxins in our body and fruit loops in our mouth and donuts in our kids, then we're suppressing our ability to show up in the biggest, best way possible as, as a conduit for spirit. And, and that's not, for me, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying don't ever eat chocolate cake again, no. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, in my in the 10-day transformation, somebody was asking me that how, um, how you know, 
basically the question was, when this is over, what do we do? Because can I never eat any other mm-hmm. foods than what we're doing? You know, because mm-hmm. they're eating food. It's not just a cleanse. It's not a fast. They're eating food, but it's clean, clean, clean food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the conversation arose. Like for me, I plan. I, I enjoy going out and having a nice meal sometimes mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily clean food. And, um, and it's fewer and fewer and fewer times a year that I do that, but I plan that stuff. I, I went out on a date with my boyfriend and, um, Saturday night and we, we were like, okay, Sunday, we're going to go have like a really hearty breakfast, you know? <laughs> so we had eggs and pancakes and sausage and bacon and all the stuff. And it wasn't even at a clean restaurant. I don't care. You know, yeah. I was like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, you know? And, and so, yeah. And then today I'm not eating that way. I'm back and drinking my green smoothies and, you know, doing the stuff because I want to continue to uplift my vibration and sometimes being with your friends and family and just imbibing in whatever everyone is doing. And, mm-hmm. it, and that's, that's, that lifts your, lifts your spirit as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, there's definitely a balance. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I used to be so addicted to sugar and sweets. Of course <laughs> I grew up on eating sugar and sweets basically like the food I was eating was just all sugar or salt. And um, it got so bad to where I remember our first year in Portland, I was so excited to have our house. It was our first year in our house. And Halloween, trick-or-treaters. I'm like, yes, trick-or-treaters. <laughs> so I bought I bought all this candy, like the mini Snickers, all that, like packs. And it torrential downpour Halloween. So I think we had like three trick-or-treaters. Oh, I was no. so sad. But then I was left with all this candy. And right. Ryan's like, Ryan doesn't really eat... His kryptonite is ice cream, and that's it. You know, he can say no to almost everything else. It's like, oh, a chocolate cake, it's too sweet. And um, (laughs) I'm a chocolate fiend, like chocolate and brownies and cheesecake. Like, those are my things. Mm. And um, I had them in the cupboard, and I was like, okay, this will last us all year. I'll just take one. And I was just, like, eating 10 at a time. I couldn't stop. And I was also in medical school at this time, so my stress level, and I was just gravitating towards the sweet stuff. Um, and I just couldn't, Ryan's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he just, what are you get? You would just see all these wrappers. I would like try to hide him in the garbage and he's just like, there's like 15 wrappers in here. Like, I see it. And I'm like, oh man. So I would, I went and what I did is I opened up every single one, threw them in the garbage and took Windex and sprayed it. Wow. And that's what I started doing. Well, I just stopped buying the stuff. You know, sure. at this point we were still eating relatively healthy and still, I was still kind of transitioning into where I am today, even though I was in medical school, I was, there were still some things that were like, oh, that's vegan or that's, that means it's healthy. It's a vegan cookie. No, it's not. It's still full of sugar and yeah, like, right. not, and it's got wheat and like, I mean, just like bad wheat, you know, and like not even good wheat. And, yeah. um, that's another conversation too, but, yes, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, besides not bringing it into the house, and not shopping when I was hungry, which was I was always doing after school, was going shopping when I was hungry. So mm. then I'd buy these sweet things, and then I'd come home and I'd be like, I'll oh, throw it in the garbage, which that's money going into the garbage that could have been spent on good food. And then I'm like spraying it with Windex, like the most, like anything toxic that I could find in my house, because I use pretty natural clean things. But I was just like, what do I have? Like, there's a spray on this, so I don't eat it. Because wow. I would go back to the garbage and I would pull it if out. If it was in a wrapper, I'd be like, oh, yeah (laughs) that's drugs yeah it's drug it was it was totally like it was an addiction and it took Mm -hmm. me a while but I mean now it's not I don't really crave that stuff the only thing we have is Ryan's ice cream um and then the this like enjoy life chocolate chips Mm -hmm. which 
still aren't that great. I mean, they're still sugary, but like the other day I was feeling a little stressed and I realized I went in and like grabbed three handfuls of chocolate chips <laughs> and shoved them in my mouth because I was just like, I just need chocolate. Um, I mean, it happens and I'm not like cutting everything out of my house. I enjoy, I think food, food is meant to be enjoyed, but we evolved eating a certain way and we just don't eat that way. We're eating fake food. Yeah. We're not eating real food. Right. And the food that a lot of farmers are producing has been manipulated and sprayed with all sorts of stuff and our soil is dying. Mm -hmm. Like our topsoil is gone. They think in 50 years, if we don't change, like we won't be able to grow food because our soil is Oh, wow. No kidding, huh? Yeah. So one thing I focus on, again, is um, I want to teach people what regenerative agriculture is. It's a new thing. It's, and, um, and it might make communities like veganism and stuff angry, which I tried to be vegan for a while and it just didn't work for me. Same. And, um, we eat wild game, we eat local game, um, sources when we can and sustainable seafood. Like we're pretty picky about it, but we have the option to be, um, but the important thing is regenerative agriculture is knowing that animals play a role in the farming system and they have for thousands of years and we don't need to be factory farming our animals but we still need them they're important for turning the soil over for you know fertilizing the fertilizing soil. yeah and but when that animal is done or done their part like we can eat that animal as long as we respect it and it's lived a humane life um but make sure we're eating the animal one thing that i'm and I told Ryan this the other night, and he was just kind of like, okay, I'm like, I want to try doing is eating more nose to tail mm-hmm. on an animal. Like, yes. if, I think if you're going to take an animal's life, you should respect it by using all the parts that it provides. Amen. And that's not something we're used to doing, mm. um, but it's something our ancestors did. And this whole thing with being paleo, like, well, if you want to be paleo, you don't eat meat every meal, and you don't eat eight ounces of it every meal because your ancestors didn't. You know, right. They maybe caught, if they were lucky, they got an animal once a week, if that. Yeah. And they ate the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but most of their diet was plants. And a plant-based diet, and I'm talking like half your plate, plants. And then the rest, protein, grains, and fat. Um, that's, that's what's going to be healthiest, I think, for everyone. The farmers, the animals. The planet. And us. So I love it. I think that's my roundup. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Roundup. Yeah. That's her roundup. That's I my love roundup. That. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Well, um, you know, I know you have a newsletter and a Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. pages and things like that. Um, I'll go ahead and post the uh, links up on the show notes page. Great. So we'll have that. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we close? Uh, no, just thank you for your time. Yeah, the... I just launched the website um, a few weeks ago. The first newsletter and blog post is due to come out this week. Oh, exciting! Um, and then my goal is to hopefully be doing that every week. Um, I have a whole list of topics. Um, they fall into different categories. So, like, I love working one-on-one on people, but I think educating the masses is more of my calling, and that's what I can do on the online platform. So, um to be in the know, I guess, yeah, follow the Facebook or sign up for the free newsletter. Yeah, right on. And you work with people virtually, right? Yeah, yeah, I work virtually too. Yeah, yeah. so you can work with people anywhere. Mm -hmm. I do groups, families, one-on-one, couples, 
schools, communities. Um, I've had a couple companies reach out to me for like corporate wellness stuff as well. And awesome. It's all great. (laughs) Sweet. Well, I look forward to seeing where it all goes for you. I know you'll just be spectacular at whatever pathway you decide to go. Yeah, I, I mean, you're amazing. You really are. So I appreciate your work and what you bring. Oh, thank yeah, you. thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, ladies. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that inspired you just to make a better choice for your life and for the life of your family today. And um, whatever it, do whatever it takes to turn your soul on. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Turn Your Soul On Radio. If you're finding yourself living a more inspired life because of this show, help spread the light. Share this episode with every woman you know looking to live their lives a little more on fire. I'd also be grateful if you headed over to iTunes and left a heartfelt review, which really helps the growth of the show. I'd also like to invite you to deepen your connection with our community by joining our private Facebook group, Turn Your Soul On. And if you have any other questions, feel free to shoot us an email at admin at drbrandyvictory.com. Thanks so much for being here today, and I'll talk to you next time. May your soul be turned on. This podcast is for information purposes only. Dr. Brandy Victory is not a medical doctor, and the views and statements expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Dr. Brandy Victory and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.